early on, I say, so what's the purpose of your company, right? And I give them some multiple choice and they pick, uh, I want to make money. (laughs) Okay, that's great. I get that, you know. However, uh, you know, how many of your employees are motivated to come to work every day so you can make more money? Mm -hmm. That's not going to motivate them. How many of your customers are going to want to buy from you because you want to make more money? That's not why they're going to buy from you. So you have to define your purpose. Same business, different day. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Same Business, Different Day podcast. I'm Zeke Corley and I'm here with my co-host, Alyssa Lee Good. It's good to see you. It's only been once a week now. I I, I wish I could see you more often, but at least we get to hang out once a week. So I'm glad you're here. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Good. Glad to be here. Yeah. It's nice to see you once a week. We're busy people. I got to come up to the winery and and sip some (laughs) wines. That's that's what I need to do. Um, Next... I will also reintroduce you guys to my business partner and father, Bill Corley, the man that taught me that sleep is what you do on your day off. And when you own your own business, there are very few days off. <laughs> I, I didn't I never taught him to do it. Oh, I did. I learned it. You learned by observation, right? How you doing? Pa? I'm good. Good. I'm good. Hi, pa. Happy to be here. Yeah. Happy to be here. Right on. So um, today uh, we get to hang out with another special guest. Uh, If I've ever called on this man for a meeting, he's always been here and he's always been on time and he's always had a big smile on his face. Um, Most of the time in business, you'll meet with business owners that are uptight, pretentious, and and that's understandable. Uh, That comes with perception and branding and people don't want to lose business for appearing a certain way to others. But then there are the rare few that aren't putting on Um, the type of business person that is comfortable with himself and makes you feel comfortable around him. He's not using you for your time and you're not using him for his. Regardless of your resumes, we treat each other as equals. Today, we're in the presence of just that type of businessman. I'm happy to introduce the same business, different day audience to Don Sando. (laughs) <laughs> All right, I like that applause. Yes. Thank you, Zeke. <laughs> Welcome, Don, man. Thank I you, appreciate buddy. you being yeah. here, man. And cheers on your success and more to come. Uh, we've already, we're hearing some good news about it. So we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. Alyssa, you want to tell them about the rules of the game? Yeah, so we have a little game we play on our podcast. Okay. Um, it's the same business podcast. We're going to talk about your business, but we're not going to talk about it right away. First, we're going to get to know you, get to know the tools that you've equipped to become who you are. And then when it feels right, when it feels natural, we'll say, this is what you actually do. But until then, let's just relax and get to know you. Sounds good. Sounds right good. on. <laughs> um, early memories. You, uh, you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? My dad always told this story, you know, talking okay. about uh, Bill here. Mm-hmm. Um, in fourth grade, I went to him and I said, Dad, who makes more money, a dentist or a priest? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he goes, a dentist. And I went, okay, and I want to be a dentist. Hmm. But uh, actually, I never (laughs) had no interest. Uh, (laughs) So I actually uh, ended up 
uh, going to the seminary and studying to be a priest. Oh. Okay. Um, but uh, then there were these things called uh, women that oh. went around, you know. <laughs> I was like, damn, <laughs> they are nice. <laughs> So, so much for the celibacy uh, priest thing. Uh, that was out the window. That's and, hilarious. Uh, yeah. I wanted to be, I, I always told, um, when I was growing up, I always told my family and everybody that I wanted to be a doctor. Um, and if I really had paid attention, that I probably would have had more women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, did you have like a leadership early, like mentors at a, at a young age in, in the house or in the neighborhood around? Um you know, my dad was a small business owner, you know, and oh, okay. I observed him. He had a, uh, originally he had an Italian liquor deli, oh, you know, wonderful. and then my grandmother worked in there and made pizza and they sold sauce. And I was like, these people work too freaking hard. Mm. You know, it's like, you never see them. It's like, oh my God, I don't want to be that. Um, and, uh, and then when I got in high school, I, I discovered that I was, you know, I was really good at math. It was easy. I was really good. So I'm like, I want to do something with math once mm. I said that the priest thing is not for me. Mm. Um, and so I ended up uh, picking uh, electrical engineering as what I wanted to study and, and go to uh, university for. But one of the things that was interesting about being in the seminary is that uh, in high school, I had a 30-minute conversation um, session with my spiritual director every week. If you can imagine going through high school and meeting with a spiritual director for a half an hour every week, <laughs> you get, you, you know, it was like, you learn a lot. Hmm. You learn a lot, you mm -hmm. know. And, um, and so that, that was probably the, you know, the biggest impact on my life about, you know, hey, what are you going to do with your life? What kind of a man are you going to be? All of that kind of stuff was uh, something that he just really, uh, you know, imparted to me. You kind of working on your core values and beliefs. Exactly. Before you were working on anything. The... Yeah. What am I going to do for a living? Mm -hmm. was, you know, it was like more about what kind of a man are you going to be? Sure. Now, you know? now, Don, was this a little city, big city? Small town. Uh, so this is uh, L.A. In Los Angeles. Los Angeles. I grew up in L.A. Uh, and the the uh, high school seminary I went to was in San Fernando Valley. Mm -hmm. Set us a time period. Uh, so this was in the '60s. Hmm. So I, you know, in the '60s, I graduated 1969. Okay, a lot going on in Los Angeles in 1969. I graduated '68, so I'm a year older. Okay. <laughs> Did you have a a place of business, do you remember as a kid that you just loved to go to? A restaurant, a toy store, a music store? You know, uh, not really. We didn't, you know, my family was very frugal and, you know, we didn't go out. I mean, you know, I remember once a year we'd go to McDonald's. It was like a big deal. <laughs> We're going to McDonald's. <laughs> once a year. <laughs> yeah, once a year. We had, you know, it was four kids and it was like small business owner and working hard. And, yeah. Um, so, and I, I really didn't have, you know, wasn't business, wasn't a big, you know. McDonald's couldn't have tasted any better than an Italian <laughs> deli, though. You're an Italian <laughs> yeah, deli. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> My dad was bringing home food yeah. from the store all the time, right? you know. Yeah. 
Transition for a sub. Take us from high school to college. Where did you go to school? So I went to uh, USC, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it was coming out of high school. It was like, well, okay, I'm good at math. I like math. You know, what do you do with a math, right? And so I, you know, I looked at being a math teacher. I went, well, you know, maybe I'd like that. Maybe I wouldn't. But mm-hmm. what if I don't want to teach them? What the heck am I going to do? So I, somebody said, well, engineering uses a lot of math. So I'm like, mm. I have no idea what an engineer does, but sounds good. That's, I just picked engineering, you know, and as you know, kind of did a little study and went, wow, you know, computers is a thing of the future and everybody's so I'll major in computer engineering, Mm. you know? And so I actually, um, looked into, I, I had learned, I actually started out at Cal state LA, Mm -hmm. right. And then I kind of come to this realization that I wanted to study both hardware circuit design as well as software programming and i met with my counselor and he went oh that's that's kind of leading edge stuff you know we don't do that here if you want to do that your choices are in stay in southern california you know which i i lived at home i couldn't afford to you know live at school um so your choices are caltech um usc or ucla Great so, choices. Though. Yeah. Great so, choices. So the, my, the, the school closest to my house was uh, Caltech, mm. right? And any of you watch The Big Bang Theory? You know, so, mm-hmm. so I went there to check it out. And I went, oh, I don't think I'm smart enough for this school. These guys are really <laughs> nerds. You know? I was like, no, nah, I don't fit in here. So, um, and I ruled out UCLA because I lived in, you know, the East San Gabriel Valley, and I was like, I'm driving over to the west, you know, over there every day. That would be insane. So I, that's how I picked USC. <laughs> but now you weren't going to school necessarily with an entrepreneurial focus, right? You were, you were planning on getting into working at a corporation or what, like, what was the goal when yeah, you went to school? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, like I said, my, what I learned from watching my dad was that I did not want to be a small business owner because they work too hard. That's funny. (laughs) Alyssa always says she doesn't want to be a business owner. (laughs) I'm going into corporate America, baby. (laughs) Ignoring squills and warning lights on your car is not a good way to lower the cost of owning it. And going without essential business insurance is not a good way to save money in your business. What we know for sure is doing either will cost you more than you will save in the short and the long run. With YourInsurancePlace.com, you can trust the specialists to help maintain your cars and avoid major expenses. Business owners should look to business insurance specialists when it comes to finding competitively priced quality insurance coverage for their businesses. At YourInsurancePlace.com, we specialize in workers' compensation, general and professional liability, employment practices and cyber liability, property owner policies, and bonds for most types of businesses. YourInsurancePlace.com knows that we can help. If you're uncovered, need to lower the cost of your current insurance, or need better coverage, we can help. Yourinsuranceplace.com has been helping businesses for close to 40 years. If you need a quote on your insurance, call us now at 858-569-8100 or find us at yourinsuranceplace.com. We are business insurance specialists ready to help. So you, you went to corporate America. I did. Yeah. Okay. And what did you do there? 
So initially, I, I worked in aerospace, uh, designing circuits and doing programming. So I did that for like four or five years and said, this is not my personality, you know, because when you design circuits, your satisfaction comes from your circuit working. Every go, everybody's saying, great job, your circuit works. I'm like, that's exciting. Mm. And I'm a people person. <laughs> Where are the heck are the people? I'm sitting in a computer all day long. Uh, hey, you be... chose math. I know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah your choice, dude. I, oops. <laughs> so, um, so I started looking for, I got to do something different. I mean, I've got all this education and this experience, but I, um, so there were some people who told me, well, you should go into sales, you know? And I thought about it and went, okay, now sales is kind of scary because, you know, if you don't sell, you don't get paid. You don't eat. And I'm like, oh, crap. But no, that's scary. That's, a, that's back to that small business owner thing. You know? well, uh, I, I just wonder, though, why did somebody, what do you think somebody saw in you that said, you know, you should do sales? Well, I mean, other, I mean, you're obviously a people person. Yeah. You're just, a good communicator. Yeah. It was, I mean, there it, are, the, you know, the, those was, base. It was just that. It was just that. Hmm. It was that, you know, I had my neighbors. But you had to be convincing. Me, you know. You had to be, yes. you know, you must have that in you too. Yeah. I, I do like, you know, winning people over, right? You know? Okay. Um, and you probably uh, like talking to people. I do. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I, you know, I remember when we moved into a neighborhood and the neighbors would meet me and, Everything and then they'd be, what do you do? And I go, I'm an engineer, and they'd be like, no way, there's no <laughs> no way you are an engineer. You have too much personality. Yeah, you're you're like you know you're a partier, you're this, you ain't an engineer. Right? <laughs> so then I, so I kind of ruled out sales, but I ended up uh, looking at marketing. Okay. And uh, so I had an opportunity uh, at HP uh, in Rancho Bernardo, and their color printer and uh, plotter product line and the the one opening say that thing, again yeah that didn't sound easy <laughs> yeah plotter <laughs> product line <laughs> yeah color printers and plotters right so uh -huh. the plotters are the big huge you know things okay uh, and uh so they had an opening that they would consider me for and it was training salespeople. and i'm like okay not sales no. <laughs> <laughs> there's that thing again yeah. um but uh so that was my first job there was uh, training salespeople. Okay. And, uh, but what happened was that salespeople would come to me and say, well, this is the problem, you know, this competitor is doing such and such, or our product is missing this feature or whatever. And then I would want to go solve those problems. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, well, we need to fix it. Well, no, you're a sales trainer. Just shut <laughs> up and go train salespeople, you know you know, the marketing people do those kinds of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, I want to do that. Mm. So uh, HB had this great uh, environment where you could switch jobs every 18 months if, if somebody wanted you, right? So if you built up a reputation, mm -hmm. people go, yeah, I want that guy. I got this project. I'll, I'll take that guy on my project. So I got to move around a lot. And so, like, pretty much every 18 months, I switched responsibilities. And at that product line, we had 125 people in our marketing department. So when you did something in marketing, you became a specialist, right? If you were doing 
brochures. Sure. You were doing brochures full time. That's all mm -hmm. you did. You didn't, you know, if you were doing promotions in the dealer channel, you were doing promotions in the dealer channel, mm -hmm. right? You became an expert on everything related to promotions in the dealer channel. So I moved around a lot, uh, learning different aspects of the business as it relates to marketing. And I really kind of found my comfort zone. It was, it was on, initially it was on uh, product management, which is making current products successful. Then I moved into future product planning, which has like a two, one to two year horizon. So you're working on products that you're going to introduce one to two years from now. Uh, and then I got into strategic planning, which is okay. beyond, it's the two, three year, three to five year horizon where you're taking everything into account. It's not just product. Okay. Um, and that was really, I really, I was like, this is, because you, know, you really felt like you were making a significant impact on the direction of the business. So I went from USC into aerospace. So that mm -hmm. was five years in aerospace and then 10 years at HP. Okay. Okay. And then I got uh, recruited away from HP to a smaller high tech company. So my product line responsibility at HP was 225 million. Mm -hmm. And then I got recruited away to this company where the business unit was 12 million. Okay. Yeah. So big, but you're the whole show, right? You're, you're everything. They recruited you though, because they saw something in you though. They recruited me. They had, they were at an interesting, uh, crossroads. Mm -hmm. They had, uh, patents that all of their competitors were paying them royalties on and patents expire after 17 years yeah. and their patents were expiring. And they're like, we don't know what we're going to do after these patents expire. Sure. So we need help with strategic planning. Okay. So, so that was why they hired me. So my, my title was worldwide director of marketing and sales. Worldwide. They put yeah. worldwide, worldwide in the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't spend your ass here in San Diego. You know? <laughs> and uh, so, and um, so, you know, initially, and I examined, you know, did my strategic planning thing, examine the marketplace, the competition, the opportunities. Um, I said, you know, your, your technology, even though it's very mature and uh, patents are expiring, there's still opportunities outside the U.S. You know, 95% of your business is here in the U.S., but, you know, at HP, uh, only 40% of our business was in the U.S., mm -hmm. you know, so... There's a lot of opportunities. So I, you know, examined, I said, so we should go, I looked at the competition, the, op, you know, the customers and said, we should go first to Europe. The competitor there is vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I think we can take away a lot of their business. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we can, we'll go to Asia. And I said, now, then we'll be competing with companies like Epson and Citizen. And that's going to be a hard road. Yeah. But we'll make some inroads. We'll see. So, uh, so that's what we did. So I spent my first four years was nothing but international business development. Mm. And you were with this company for how long? I was there 10 years also. Okay. So 
what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to move us to today. Today. <laughs> okay. okay, to find out who Donnie is. Okay. Okay. And, so uh, what happened at that company is after four years of international business development, then we got into acquisitions. Right. We acquired a couple of companies, you know, and I thought that, you know, we, we acquired companies that were um, flawed mm-hmm. and we thought we could turn them around. Right. And I thought, well, to turn a company around, you just create a great strategic plan mm-hmm. and they follow it and all's good. Right. And that's not what happened. Right. <laughs> we did two acquisitions. I worked with the leadership team to create growth plans, and neither one of them executed the plans. And the plans just sat there. And the financials looked miserable as when we bought them. So um, I was just getting a, a general. Then one day it hit me. It's like, wow, it's, it's not about having a great plan. It's about can you execute on a plan? Sure. Mm-hmm. And what does it take? And it really boiled down to, I, so I looked back at, well, why were we so good at this at HP? What were we doing there that these companies aren't doing? And it just boiled down to leadership. Mm-hmm. It boiled down to leadership focus, you know, ability to manage employees, all of that stuff. Okay. Um, we, we then got acquired. Mm-hmm. Um, the acquiring company kept me on for four years going, wow, your, your division is really profitable. What do you do? Well, I do this thing called strategic planning, but, but we kind of follow it, you know. Oh, teach us how to do that. Okay. So I did that, but it was the same outcome. I'd go to a division of theirs. I'd facilitate the process. I'd come back and nothing was getting executed because people didn't know how to change their daily work habits sure. to focus on what long-term importance. Mm-hmm. So when they moved company headquarters from San Diego to Ithaca, New York, I looked out the window and said, I'm staying. Yeah, have a good life, guys. I'll see you in the, in the afterlife. You know? <laughs> so then I, I imagine that that's when the entrepreneurial focus came for you, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, before I get into this, because I want to reveal, it's it's about time to reveal what you do, what, what your business is. But I kind of want to get into the first time you had a business idea. It couldn't have been this one that's already like super successful. It had to be something like you must have had this entrepreneur. You must have had some ideas of I can do this business and this is going to be great. And then maybe it didn't work out. And why well, not? Uh, actually, I, I didn't really, you know, one of the things that I've discovered about myself is that when it comes to creative new ideas, that's not my Isn't that strength. your wheelhouse? No, that's not my thing. Okay. It's like I'm like, somebody give me a good idea, I'll, I can execute. I'll, I'll, I can I'll I can come we'll up with figure a out we'll come up with a strategy. We'll figure out the market. Mm-hmm. We'll figure out whether this is gonna work or not. Mm-hmm. And and we could we'll make a go of it. But that's I, cool. I was not the guy to come up with the and, and you don't have to be right. And that's that's what's great. I mean, you know, our listenership is really uh, it's it's the current business owners. Sure. But also the folks that want to be entrepreneurs that want that have an idea, don't know how to execute it or have been given an idea, know how to execute it, but just are a little timid to do that. Right. So those are the people that we want to inspire and we want to interview folks like you 
to show them, hey, you can do this. You didn't even have to come up with the idea, but yet you still have this, you know, mm-hmm. great business, right? Yeah. So we want to be inspirational for those folks, and we want them to follow a path like yours, right? So that's why we kind of got into the beginning of who you are mm-hmm. and, you know, what that's all about, what you're all about. So now let's reveal. I was going to yeah. say... You, you know, you may not be the idea man, but Don, he could be the strategy guy. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the strategy and execution guy. There we go. <laughs> strategy by itself is not so valuable. Yeah. 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 Idea okay. by itself is not so valuable. <laughs> you can't do it yeah. without execution. Right. Yeah. So alongside Jim Sando, Don Sando formed the Strategic Results Group in 2002. A former engineer, teacher, and marketing guru, Don has a special set of skills aimed at turning businesses around and helping them build plans to increase revenues and profits. Don has worked with IBM, Siemens, HP, Citizen, Samsung, Olivetti, and Fujitsu. The Strategic Results Group is armed with Experts in consulting and marketing and human resources and technology and sales. Ladies and gentlemen, we're in the presence of a mastermind. I reintroduce you to Don Sando. There he is. Where's the applause? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Applause, I can please. throw it in there. There you are. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> there he likes go. that applause. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> the San Diego craft beer industry has proven to be incredibly resilient. Regardless of tier, they're following all guidelines to ensure the safety of their loyal customers and staff. They want you to feel safe coming out and enjoying a beer or picking up growlers to go. Breweries are open and welcoming guests into a sense of normalcy through a great craft brew. While resilient, the beer industry isn't immune to the effects of service limitations and decreased foot traffic. They need your help to stay open and continue serving the craft beer they're famous for. If you're looking for ways to support your favorite local brewery, Brewery merchandise, canned beers, or growlers and gift cards are wonderful gifts that also give back to the breweries. And who doesn't need some extra beer around the holidays? I saw your website. I was looking at your website, and I saw you're working with religious leaders. Yes, I have. Yeah. So one of the things that, um, you know, when I started my business, I realized that there was two values that I could bring. One was planning, strategy, and the other was leadership because that was the key. Um, I had some friends that had become priests, right? And so I actually went to them and said, hey, you know, went to one of them and said, you know, I've seen, I know a lot of pastors, ministers, you know, and some of their decisions are not very well thought out, you know. Do you think that, uh, so a couple of things, you know, would there, I, I said, I think there's a need. Do you agree that there's a need uh, for leadership tr- development for pastors? Um, number two, uh, would there be an interest? Would they be willing to sign up for it? Number three, would they pay? Because I ain't doing this for free. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, and so this guy said, uh, Yes, yes, and yes. I'll just to prove it to you. I'll sign up to be your first client. So I've actually, uh, over the course of my uh, company here, I've worked with um, more than a hundred different pastors in San Diego and Orange County. 
Wonderful. But it's still only a small piece of my business, right? Because because my primary focus is really on the, and I've worked with several other nonprofits as well. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, but those combined are like 20, 25% of my business. The majority are from the for-profits, you know, where I'm working with business owners, really trying to improve their business and turn it into what they envisioned, what they started, but discovered it was a lot more difficult to get there than they realized. So like my sweet spot are really companies with 20 or more employees where they have a level of management because if if there's less than 10 employees you know if there's five or six or something usually the business owner can handle it or they think they can right um, but once they start hiring a couple of managers or promoting people into management then all of a sudden they realize it's outside their span of control so that's really where my sweet spot is to come in and help them with their management team and then also with their employees. Not to say that I don't have clients that only have one or two employees, you know, or even sole proprietors, but, but my sweet spot are really those with 20 or, or more. Um, so like I, I facilitate a CEO peer group, right? And so we have, I have nine members in that group and they vary from the smallest as I think six employees and the two largest each have 165, right? And there's a, you know, there's some at 45 and some at 65 and, you know, all over the, the place. But it's, it's really that kind of a, you know, so that's kind of like a mastermind, you know, uh, advisory board kind of a group. We meet monthly and advise each other on how to address whatever challenges that's a good group too and yeah we're gonna talk about that i'm really interested in that um you were back in 09 you uh did some consulting for forbes uh i was reading about that what what was that well that was a forbes had decided to um they wanted to get into the entrepreneurial space you know forbes is much more corporate america that's their brand and they wanted to get more into uh, entrepreneurial space so they created a contest called, called America's Most Promising Companies, mm-hmm. right? And they partnered, uh, they licensed a technology from a um, venture capital firm up in Irvine. Mm-hmm. And this firm had created what I describe as a business plan scoring system. And Forbes licensed it for the contest. So... You went through their scoring system, you put in your business plan, and you got a score, and then based on that, you got your ranking in the Forbes contest. Just based on the business plan alone? You didn't have to stand in front of anyone, no presentation, nothing like that, just looking at the plan. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it was, you know, if you had everything that all the questions already answered in your business plan, it would take you two and a half, three hours to complete the process. And if usually they would ask you questions and you would go, oh crap, I don't know the answer. I gotta go find that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the scoring system had a 1200 point scoring system. And if you scored above a thousand, you were entered into the contest. And if you scored below a thousand, you were referred to my firm to get your score up. 
Oh, that's good. Okay. Hey, yeah. You couldn't you couldn't lose. Exactly. Right. So so they would, you know, so and I would get the the report of their score and where they were where they did well and where they had weaknesses and then I could create a plan for them to say okay, here's you know what we're going to have to fix. Um here's how long it's going to take and what you're going to have to do. And then, you know, next year you can re-enter the contest, but your score will now be up. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So what are the keys to a good business plan? Well, their scoring system had 12 elements to it. Mm -hmm. right? And I don't, I'm not sure I can give them all, right? Uh-oh, uh, secret. You know, yeah. Secret, right? I get it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, so... And, but they were also done from the perspective of an investor. So an investor had specific questions. They would want, want to know about your, you know, your IP. So what, you know, what patents, what proprietary information do you have? You know, which mom and pop businesses, I don't, I don't worry about that, yeah. you know. And the, they would want to know, you know, about a lot of different things about your business. Um, but, uh, but the, you know, some of the keys that, you know, where I found that people uh, consistently had not spent enough time on mm -hmm. was really uh, evaluating and assessing the competition and really having a very clear strategy at how to position themselves relative to the competition. And you always knew they were in trouble because one of the, it was all a multiple choice thing. One of the, you know, something about your competition and the, if one of the choices was we don't have any <laughs> and if they pick that you went oh they're in trouble they are in trouble the, you know this is you all have competition you just don't realize it or they, mm -hmm. oh our competition is crappy we can beat everybody you know? right you know, you know really understanding the competition really understanding what the customers needs were and trends mm -hmm. in that area um having a clear way to um a compelling case for why you were better right and then the other thing they would always evaluate was the management team so you know what's your management team what's their background right you know, yeah they went they had a very interesting question on that scoring thing which was you had to list all of your managers on your management team then you had to the owner would do this, obviously, confidentially. You had to score each one on a scale of one to ten. Oh, no. Are they a keeper? Are they, <laughs> you know, are they a superstar? Where are they? And I'm like, okay, we could publish this. And that guy that's would be in a cold. lot of trouble. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, that's tough. Yeah. I've done a couple of business plans, right, yeah. in my life. And um, the competition part is always the most fun part for me. Uh, the research involved with that is important. Right. And, you know, it, it helps you figure out where where do you locate your business? You know, mm -hmm. uh, it helps you figure out your demographic. You know, um, how do you differentiate yourself from other businesses? Right now, um, there's the subject of diversity. OK, that's going on in common mm -hmm. com conversation today. Yeah. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, how important is diversity? Uh, what should companies be doing in terms of strategic planning with that in mind? Uh, well, I, I, I do uh, 
you know, one of the things about growing up in LA, you know, is you are exposed to every culture there is, right? And, Absolutely. And I was, I just, I didn't realize I was so open-minded until I went outside of LA and went, wow, these people are really closed-minded. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to me, it's, it's very important. Um, and, and sometimes you have to go um, beyond just what you think in order mm -hmm. to really improve your, um, your inclusion and improve your employee engagement, you know, and you think that, well, everybody's happy because nobody's complaining. Well, <laughs> have you really sat down with them or really asked? So I, I'm actually uh, in a, uh, an alliance of trainers um, where we have several that, that specialize in that particular area of diversity and inclusion. So, you know, it's like if it gets, if it's really a challenging topic for a company, you know, I'll bring in some of my colleagues from that alliance hmm. uh, rather because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm an old white guy. What can I say? Hmm. No, but you, you're <laughs> yeah. also, you're also an open-minded guy. Yes. Uh, who who doesn't seem to have any problems uh, interacting with uh, diverse communities. You know, it came up several times in my CEO peer group about mm -hmm. well, how do we deal with this? You know, and it, so, you know, I would talk to some of my colleagues in the alliance and say, well, you know, they say, well, you really, you got to do, you got to like really drill down with your employees and find out if, if they think there are improvements to be made. That's a starting point. One of the things I learned from uh, the Alliance was, you know, that the key skill was emotional intelligence. Hmm. That that was the key skill for the managers was like, are you able, are you able to um, recognize your own emotions, you know, to keep them under control? Uh, to recognize the emotions of your colleagues and and create an environment where people are comfortable expressing differing opinions. Mm -hmm. You know, I, to me, uh, I always found that, you know, business ideas, you know, are to be challenged. They're not personal. This is, this is not my, you know, this is, okay, this is my thought. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if somebody's got a better thought, you know, or if somebody sees flaws in my thoughts, I want to know them. Yeah, that's awesome. You know. And that's a very important lesson right there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So earlier you mentioned trends. Um, and so we live in a rapidly changing world. You know, one fad will last a couple of months and then it's out and on to the next. So I'm curious, how do you advise and work with companies that are resistant to that change? Who want to keep, you know, we work so hard on this. We want to keep with it. And it's like, well, but the world's not staying there. <laughs> um, you know, what I have found to be the most effective at getting any business owner to open their minds is data. Mm. If you can give them data that, that, you know, it's, this is not my opinion. Here's some data, right? Consider this, right? We talked um, earlier in the intro, actually, I mentioned um, image perception, right? And a lot of business owners, they, they approach, they, they want to be seen a certain way. And they want to be careful about, you know, letting their themselves out, their own personalities out, um, you know, in public or in business atmospheres or whatever. Um, 
And and I was saying that you seem to be a little bit of the antithesis of that. I mean, do you have any thoughts on that and, and uh, like business owners uh, who are putting on versus those that don't and the success of them? Holiday in the country, follow the Ramona Wine Trail. The Ramona Valley Vineyard Association is having their annual holiday wine trail this season. Every weekend from Thanksgiving to Christmas, visit 18 local wineries and receive three tastes of their handcrafted wine for only $3. Passports are only $10 and will be sent to you digitally to be printed out or shown at each winery. Passports are good for every weekend during the holiday wine trail. Wineries will be practicing safe COVID protocols and tastings will be held socially distanced outside. Go to rvva.org and click on Upcoming Events for more information and to purchase your passport. You need insurance, and you need yourinsuranceplace.com as your brokers. And I'll tell you why. They have access to hundreds of carriers, and we're never left without results. Not even the hard-to-place risks. A good insurance broker is a problem solver. Our team is dedicated to getting you covered. Take time to shop with yourinsuranceplace.com. Save money. Get protected. Yourinsuranceplace.com. North County Daily Star is the leading source for news and community information. There are 650,000 residents along the 78 corridor in five unique cities that share the region, North County, San Diego. We work and play in these cities, so we are all interested in what happens in our common region. There is no cost to subscribe, and it is continuously updated. So look for us on your mobile device or computer at ncdailystar.com. Yes, I do. Uh, so my, my philosophy is that what's more important is the company culture and the company purpose, right? So a lot of times if I start like a strategic planning process early on, I say, so what's the purpose of your company, right? And I give them some multiple choice and they pick, uh, I want to make money. <laughs> well, okay, that's great. I get that, you know. However, uh, you know, how many of your employees are motivated to come to work every day so you can make more money? Mm -hmm. That's not going to motivate them. How many of your customers are going to want to buy from you because you want to make more money? That's not why they're going to buy from you. So you have to <clears throat> define your purpose in, in a, something... I said, employees want to work at an organization where they somehow are making the world a better place, mm -hmm. right? Whatever that is, right? So, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you're doing solar, it's easy to be able to explain how you're making the world a better place and why your, your employees could be motivated and engaged by that. But if, it's, but if in your mind it's just about you making more money, that's not going to work. So... It's getting them to look at it from their employee's perspective and defining their purpose and how they are making the world a better place that, that, I, uh, you know, that I always emphasize is much more important mm -hmm. than your personality or the car you drive or you know, the clothes you wear or any of that stuff. You know, to me, the biggest, you know, in corporations and larger corporations, the biggest failure is management getting out of touch with, with what's going on in the front line. That's right. Right? And all I would do is go in there and tap into the people on the front lines. That's all you needed to say, do. Hmm. What's going on? How do we fix this? And they would, oh, we need to do this. Okay. 
I'll help you do that. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. I don't know crap about what you Easy. do, but yeah. right. you know. But yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do a rapid fire with you. Okay. Just, uh, just three of them real quick. Um, and this could be a versus. This could be an and or. Cutting cost and or increasing profit. What are your thoughts? Um, cutting cost is a tool towards increasing profits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the primary tool towards increasing profits is growing revenues. Beautiful. Difference between physical growth and revenue growth. You hear a lot of folks, I want more locations. I want to get big versus and or or versus revenue growth. Um, to me, it's it's all about profit growth, right? So it's like, okay, do I have one location? Is it profitable? Then we'll replicate. If you can't make this one profitable, why have three? <laughs> You're just going to lose money faster. Right? <laughs> Hiring the right people versus or and or firing the wrong people so um here's here's you know whenever somebody you know exits my ceo peer group i say what's your biggest takeaway from you've been in this group for eight years right and they go i hire too fast and i fire too slow (laughs) they all say the same thing it's like you know it's like when you have a problem Fix that problem. You know, if you can't develop that person and get them, you know, to turn around, then you have to, then you have to terminate them. It's not working and it's a headache. And I can't tell you the number of, you know, I, I, there was one uh, session in my group where this woman, uh, CEO, $27 million company, I forget how many employees she had. Um, she would come in every month and complain about this one employee. Right. <laughs> every month. Every month. It's like, oh, this person is driving me crazy. It was like, oh my God, you know. So finally she came in, you know, and the whole group said, I'll I'll change her name, right? Um, said, Susan, uh, you need to leave this meeting right now. You need to go back to your office and you need to fire that person <laughs> and don't come back until you've done that. <laughs> And she was like, oh, no, you guys, no, we're serious. Oh, no. Goodbye. <laughs> See you next month, yeah. hopefully. We're tired <laughs> of hearing about it. We're tired of hearing about it, you know. And then it was like, it's amazing how the organization, you know, just suddenly gets so much better overnight uh, when, yeah. you, when you get rid of a cancer. Yeah. You know? So All I'm right. going to take you back to school. All right, settle down, people. We've got a lot to cover and time is short. Um, a lot of people, you know, go to university to major in business, learn all the business techniques. They want to be a good entrepreneur. They're going to apply these techniques to their real world. And so we ask, does it work? Do you take the te- textbook and you go into the real world? Is it working? So we, we go into the specifics. And so I, one thing that teachers will say is, you know, you have to measure your success. As you move forward, you know, you have to sit down and look at, am I being successful based off of my own standards of what this, what, what success means to me. So I'm curious, what does success mean to you? How do you measure it? So yeah, I'm a huge uh, believer in metrics. Okay. You, know, you got to measure everything, you know, the math. Guy. You know, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but there's w- always one metric that to me, if you can, if you can combine everything into one key metric that kind of gets it all. And so for me, that metric is, Referral percentage. What percent of my clients will refer me to somebody else, Mm -hmm. right? Um, 
because that kind of measures everything, right? And, and as long as I'm profitable and while I'm doing that, it doesn't do any good to get referred if you're losing money, right? Hey, this guy's really cheap, you know. <laughs> but I'm a huge believer in, in metrics. You know, um, I work with individuals in organizations to define their own metrics for their own position. Mm -hmm. So, and get their manager to buy into whatever that metric is. So you're all on the same page. Okay. This is my metric. And we both agree that this is my metric. And I kind of started that when I got recruited away from HP and went to that other company, you know, my, my boss. And I was like, I want to know exactly how I get my bonus. I want exactly. I want a formula for my bonus. You know, when I do, what is this? What are the three components? So I, I developed this thing and said, got him to sign it and say, okay, this, okay. Now I know I got this up on my, on my billboard. This is what I do. And if I do this, the company benefits and I benefit. Awesome. Um, go ahead. I, I'd like to know what your take is on what the effect of COVID is going to be on small business. Um, small business, I mean, we see them going, going, gone. Um, but we also see on the other side, uh, a lot of people coming out of corporate or coming out of um, larger businesses and they're opening businesses. Yeah. What do you think we're going to get? We're going to get a negative or we're going to get a, a positive here? Uh, I think, you know, the, I think there will be a positive, but I think it's very long term. Hmm. I think it's going to take, you know, I have a friend who works in the, uh, she works for Marriott, you know, and she says they're, they're projecting that they won't be back to where they were pre-COVID until 2024. You know, and she's like, they laid off, you know, X thousands of people. Sure. She didn't get laid off. I'm like, oh, thank you. know, but it's like, wow. Um, so I, I do think that there will be, so one of the things that, you know, with people working from home, they're like, well, I'm working from home, you know, what else can I do? You know, or, uh, so it's interesting because I've looked at like, um, SBA loan applications and front and center is okay. How's, how, um, you know, susceptible to COVID is this business? Mm -hmm. And what's your backup plan? Mm -hmm. You know, how are you working around it? You know, and if you don't have good answers, you know, then you're like, oh, I better rethink this. <laughs> we, you know, a lot of times we talk on this podcast about networking. Um, you do something and, and you've mentioned it a couple of times, the inner circle. Can you tell mm -hmm. us a, a little bit more about that inner circle? Because I think, I mean, that's kind of a peer group. Kind of that is that's the CEO peer group that I mentioned. That's awesome. That's I mean, that's the name amazing. of it is inner circle. Yeah, right? um, and it's so what it is is you know, and and I've I found this you know in getting referred to people, and you work with a business owner, and they're like, well, what do you know, and how are you going to help me, and I'm smarter than you anyway, <laughs> yeah, and that that attitude, and I say, well, you know, I have this CEO peer group, right. Mm -hmm. So that's like, you know, nine to 12 CEOs. Some companies are bigger than yours. Some are smaller. Some are growing faster. They're different industries. Um, but you bring your challenges, you know, or your ideas or things you want feedback on to that group. And I find that uh, 
I'm sure that those 10 are a lot smarter than you. So yeah, I'll sign up for that group, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that they're open to hearing. And then when they start to get consistent feedback, like, you know, one of our check-in procedures is on a scale of one to 10, where are you personally? Where are you in your business? And where are you with your vision? So the new members come in and go, a vision? What do you mean by that? You know, hmm. well, what's your vision for the company? Well, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. Well, okay. Well, you might have some homework to do. <laughs> You're going <laughs> to mm-hmm. answer that question sooner or later. You know? mm-hmm. um, so, um, so inner circle, that, that group is, uh, helps business owners get, and, you know, so the, sometimes the interesting thing is they get conflicting feedback. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. It's okay. like, okay, well, these three people say I ought to do this. And these four people say I ought to do not that. Or if you've ever watched Shark Tank, you know, and, uh-huh. then, you know, and then somebody mm-hmm. will say, well, you should do this with the business. And, well, I totally disagree with that guy, uh-huh. you know. And it's like, and that's real life, right? So mm-hmm. then it's like, okay, well, now you've got a couple of opinions that you have to sort through. How are you going to sort through that? You know, and figure out what is you think is the right answer for your business. But, and I I always like that when there's diversity, right? Difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, shoot, it's not that simple, is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah and, and that's one way, right, to get advice from others, right? And then with you being, you know, the strategic planning guy, you you're there, and you can be the mediator. You can give great advice too. But a lot of these guys. Um, and actually, we were talking to Mark Gallo last week, and he was talking about having a business coach for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that outside looking in thing, it, you know, it can be helpful. And I'm sure you believe that. Um, but do you see a lot of businesses doing that? Do, is that something that's common? Uh, it's it's not as common as I think it should be. You think it uh, should be? Yeah, I think, you know. You know, and and they always, you know, I've heard coaches give talks and say, you know, look at every successful athlete. How many coaches Mm -hmm. do they have? Right. Yeah. You know, so whatever it is you want to be good at, you know. But is it worth the expense? I mean, I mean, it can be, I mean, as they're trying to grind along and, you know, but now you've got to spend this money to get some advice on it from the outside when you've been studying all along, trying to, you know, make your business successful. You thought you were going to make it happen. Right. Um. You know, I always, I always tell people, you have to give it nine months. You got to give it nine months, right? At the end of nine months, if you don't think you're getting a return on this investment, then for sure drop out, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I've never had anybody drop out after nine months because they, you know, and it's, it has to be more than a month or two because you may not have a substantial issue that you really need good feedback on, you know, but I've had situations where somebody would, you know, they would say, well, I'm thinking of doing this. And then somebody else would say, all right, if I had, you know, if I had all the money back that I spent on that, (laughs) I would, I'd be retired, right? (laughs) Don't go down that path and spend that money, you know? And it would be like, okay, you just got, you know, a huge return on your investment just from talking to that person who already tried that and didn't work in their business, right? Yeah. Um, now, now that's your business, okay? That's, yes. Uh, let's go ahead and plug it. Let's. Uh, w- yeah. So, so that's called Inner Circle. It's a CEO peer group, and uh, you know, it's for CEOs that want 
a diversity of opinions on things that they're working with in their business, right? So it, you know, so sometimes, for example, you know, it might be, well, I've got a problem with this manager. What do I do? Right. And so sometimes the answers, you know, there's this one guy in the room, his answer to everything is fire. They ask me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, that's not always the right answer, right? But he, he says that we all laugh. And say, hey, that's Mike. You know, he's going to, you know, he's going to say that, you know, um, but then, uh, you know, it'll be, well, okay. So we'll probe questions like how long has this been going on? You know, is this a new thing or has it been going on forever? What have you done already to try to address it? Um, you know, is there anything you think will work? Would they listen to a coach? Would they listen to, you know, have you put them in a program? You know, um, and so usually we come up with, you know, okay, well, here's, here's the recommended course of action now. And then we always ask them, well, what are you going to do? So here's what we recommend. What are you going to do? And they might say, well, I'm not going to do what you guys recommend. I'm going to do this. Okay. All right. Well, when we come back next month, tell us How if it it's working. Yeah. You know, so that's the other part about that group is the accountability, you know, follow-up, which is, okay, you said you were going to do this. Did you do it? And did it work? That's a good idea. You know? That's good. One last, um, before as we're getting closer towards the end here, I wanted to talk a little bit about the mergers and acquisitions. I know, you know, last time uh, mm -hmm. I saw you, uh, it was not too long after I moved into this office, we sat down and, we, you know, we had mm -hmm. a sip of wine or two. Yeah. And or we three. talked about, uh, or bottle or two. Who's counting? We talked about um, mergers and acquisitions. Mm -hmm. We talked about uh, your approach to it that differs from how a lot of people see mergers and acquisitions. A lot of people look at it and just say, hey, I'm going to give you a number. You want to come buy my business or not? And uh, you had a different approach. Well, and it and it came from, you know, when I was... Uh, with the company after HP DH Technology, where we did acquisitions. And, um, you know, and so, and what I've learned in working specifically in that area this year is that there are different um, methodologies for valuing and pricing a business, right? Uh, and some methodologies work well with really large companies. Well, if you're publicly held, you can look at other publicly held companies and blah, blah, blah. You know, well, for most small businesses, that's irrelevant, you know. Um, you know, and then there's, uh, so my preferred methodology is, is uh, future cash flow projections. So I, I look at, okay, give me three years worth of revenue. You know, I want to look at it by customer. Okay, well, here's a customer that's been going up. Are they going to keep going up or... Here's a customer that went away. Why did they go away? You know, uh, well, you know, we, we kind of screwed up here or whatever. You know, you learn a lot, right? Mm -hmm. And then you, look at, then you look at all the operational costs. Are they going to stay the same? Are they going to, is something going to go away? Is something going to go double all of a sudden? Oh, gee, you own the business and you've been charging, you know, a sub-market rate rent. And that's why your uh, profit looks better. 
so if you sell me the business, are you going to keep the rent? Oh, no, no. I'm going to double the rent right away. <laughs> okay. All right. So, you know, so it's all, you know, future cash flow projections. And when you, and you identify issues in the business, then it's, okay, so how are you going to fix that issue? So, you know, things have been stalled. So that's because you don't, hi- you don't have a salesperson. Right? So if we hire a salesperson and I put that into the costs, so what's going to happen to the revenue and what this what's going to happen to the costs and how is the profitability going to get affected? So I'm a huge believer in the future cash flow projections, which not everyone is, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so um, this, I'm not buying a company, I'm buying a job. Right. Right. So if you're just, you know, if you're just buying a job, okay, well, all right. You can look at it from that perspective, right? Um, you're just taking this guy's been working his butt off and he wants out and you're just gonna take it over and you know, they want you to pay three times his salary as part of the acquisition cost. Okay, so I'm gonna pay my salary for three years. Okay, what if I just set that aside and did something else with that? You know, <laughs> do I have to work so hard, you know, for this? Um so it's it's mantra time. And what that means is Zeke has these business mantras, uh, sort of words that he abides by in order mm-hmm. to be successful. So we read them off um, and you give your thoughts on it. And I think this one really applies to you. It's okay, okay. to say that as horrible. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't yeah. make any oh, this sense. Is from yeah. Zeke. Oh, yeah. 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 So, Bow my head. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> All right. It's just as important to tell businesses the bad news as you do the good news. Oh, 100%. 100%. You have to face. You know, I always like, I always want to know what's the downside. What's the downside? What's the worst case? What's plan B? I want to know that up front. Yeah. So I, and I, and I also, you know, when I work with a company, I always want to talk to the people on the front line to find out, you know, what are they bitching about? (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. because it's it's so important. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has it gotten easier over the years to tell them the bad news? Like, did it start out kind of hard or were you just like, I can do it, no problem? Oh, no, yeah, I've always, <laughs> yeah, I got no problem. It's like, you can hate me, it's okay. <laughs> just pay me. You know, I don't, I'm, like, I'm just right. the messenger. I'm just the messenger. I'm here to pick okay. up the check. That's right. You know, if, I, if I tell you that, you know, 30% of your employees think this, you know, as opposed to when I talked to this person in the hallway and they were bitching about that. Oh, yeah, I know that person. Yeah, I can ignore it because it's that person. Mm. But when you have data to say, no, no, I talk to everybody. Right. And 30 percent of your employees agree with that person. Mm-hmm. Then, and it has a different context. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, something I pulled off your website. Are you working on your business or are you tied up in your business? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Um, one of the things that is key to management and the higher up in management, the more it's key is thinking about the future. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, I just saw this interview with Warren Buffett, right? Mm-hmm. He was talking about time management mm-hmm. and, and he was saying how important it was to spend time thinking. Right, you know? right. And if you're just doing, 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 uh-huh. some people measure their effectiveness by and their productivity by how busy they are, but that's not always the right metric, right? So it's it's you know so it's like how much and it when you're an owner you need to spend x amount of time. You know, I I if people are like, oh, I, I have, I mean, I remember 
I first got exposed to this when I was at HP and I'd go meet with the customers and I would say, so where are you going to be three years from now? You know, how can we help you get there? Where, you know, and they would look at me like, I don't even know where I'm going to be next week. What are you talking about <laughs> three years from now? And I'd yeah. be like, wow, how do you run a business like mm -hmm. that? I don't get it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah. So working on your business and not, you know, being busy is uh, critical. And I, so I always start with clients and say, well, look, spend, you know, spend Friday afternoon just thinking long term. Mm -hmm. It's the start there. Right. And um, and try to build up. So maybe you're going to, you know, you're going to take a day a month and just go off site and think or you're going to take a key couple of key advisors or your management team or, your, you know, whatever. And, and you're going to just think about how do we make this, you know, thing better? Yeah. Don, I got a question and it pertains to our theme. OK. Same business, different day. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? Uh, do you have any thoughts about same business, different, different day? day. Uh, so what, what strikes me, and, you know, maybe it's, you know, sensitivity to the COVID thing, you know, and the overused word of pivoting, right? But mm -hmm. it's, but it's uh, to me, it's like, okay, this is our business, but it was like that concrete company. It's like having this realization that there's something that could make a big difference if they changed this one little thing. Mm -hmm. It would make a big difference. So that's what I think about when I say different day. It's like, oh, we're still in the concrete business. Yeah. You know, we're still doing yeah. this, but, you know, the owner's pocketbook is not the number one motivator for employees. Oh, there's a, you know, there's a, oh, aha moment, right? You mm -hmm. know, or this is what's really important to our customers and how we can, deliver it better than our competitors. There's an Absolutely. Awesome. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So when I think of that, I think of like aha moments that can, mm -hmm. that can really change your uh, direction. Do you have a lesson that you would teach your younger self? Uh, don't be an engineer. No. <laughs> <laughs> you wasted 20 years. <laughs> um, hey, that works. Is that right? No. <laughs> um, no, I, I was, uh, you know, I had a great childhood. I, you know, my, my parents, you know, really, um, you know, developed a lot of values in me that I still carry, you know. Um, so, you know, early in my career, I was very focused on success as the world defined it mm -hmm. and as my company defined it. And now it's, it's more about success as my family defines it, you know, yeah. and I, you know, and I realized that, you know, if, if there was a choice to make, you know, work an extra hour or go home an extra, an hour early, I always worked an extra hour, you know, yeah. and yeah. now I'm like, nah, I can wait, mm. yeah. you know, my grandkids are here or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, I heard a talk, what was it, you know, that he was differentiating between, uh, what he said, um, resume values and eulogy values. So what are the kind of values that you want spoken about you qualities Absolutely. at your eulogy yeah. versus Whoa. on your resume? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. And it was like, <laughs> well, okay, yeah, that kind of <laughs> captures it, you know. 
That's beautiful. Yeah, that is wonderful. What, okay, so now let's talk to um, advice to the young entrepreneurs. The young entrepreneurs listening who might be looking, listening to you and um, they're, they're starting to identify, they're starting to realize that they can take a leap. Um, what, what, would, what kind of advice would you give to them on our way out? Um, so I guess my first question to them would be, is your, is your business idea, is it, a, is it an idea? Right. And if it's an idea, that's wonderful. But uh, just because you don't see an alternative doesn't mean uh, that there's an alternative out there. Right? So that, back to that competitive kind of competition. Right. Mm -hmm. Really understand the market before you launch a business. I, I remember working with this one CEO. They had been in business for several. You know, they, it was a startup and they were going to do this thing. And they had this 85 pay business plan that I read and went. I don't get it, you know, <laughs> and uh, and then, uh, you know, so it's like well, you I said, well, who's the competitors? And they listed them. And I went, well, so how are you better? Well, they didn't really know enough about the comp competitors to say. Right. And when I evaluated the competition, I said, your business is going to fail. You have no value proposition. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've seen that a lot. People, you know, young entrepreneurs with an idea. Uh, make sure you evaluate, you know, the marketplace for that idea. Um, you know, and then for those that are already in business or that's not an idea based, it's, it's service or something else, um, you know, really um, make sure it fits in with your, your purpose, you know, something that gets you up every morning. You can say, I can keep doing this and that it's providing for your family, you know, um, and that kind of thing. So it's meeting your financial needs as well as your motivational needs uh, and things like that. I like that. He didn't say quit, yeah. everybody. <laughs> he said if, if you have an idea, make sure you cultivate it and get mm -hmm. it, you know, get it going and and know who your competition is. Yeah. But he didn't yeah. say throw yeah. it away. No, no, don't throw it away. No, <laughs> no and, and business strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and, and with, with that... You know, I remember with that one client that I mentioned, you know, I, we're at lunch after like a two and a half day strategy session. And I said, you're going to fail. <laughs> right? And you would ask me, is it hard to tell? No, nah, no. <laughs> you're going to fail, dude. You know, here, let me show you the competition mm -hmm. and why you're not as good. Even your vision for where you want to go is not as good as what they're already doing. Mm -hmm. So you're going nowhere. And uh, so then he said, well, what do we do? And I said, well, that's a whole different question. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't, I don't have an how answer for you, that. How much I don't, do you <laughs> got? <laughs> you didn't, you didn't, I mean, tell, you didn't tell him that you need to pay for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I said, I mean, it's going to take me. I said, I don't know. I said, maybe I can come up with an answer. Maybe I can't. I don't know. Right now I know enough to know that it's going to take a lot of work to figure out whether we can come up with a strategy that has the opportunity to be successful or not. That's right. All right. That was Don Sando, mm -hmm. strategicresultsgroup.com. Alyssa, you want to give the uh, credits? It, it, I'm sorry, Don, you want to say anything else about your business on our way out? Absolutely. Uh, gosh, I don't know. Um, Who's Jim? 
Jim is my brother. That's what we thought. Yeah, yeah. He's my brother. He was another genius. Yeah, he was, I've read about him. <laughs> he was originally a client, and then he said, "Well, I really like what you're doing. Can I join you?" I'm like, "Sure, come on board." So, okay. Yeah, that's awesome. You got a good staff too. Yeah, did, I read did, all the You didn't tell him that his business was failing. Right? Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you want to get in contact with Don, his website is www.strategicresultsgroup.com. And you can email him at donsando at strategicresultsgroup.com. That's Don Sando, D-O-N-S-A-N-D-O at strategicresultsgroup.com. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, Don. Thank you, Alyssa. (laughs) Thank you so much, Don. Yeah, Bill. All right. That was great. Thank you for tuning in to Same Business, Different Day podcast. A special thanks to Star Fox Media on video production and James Russell on music production. Please like and subscribe the Same Business, Different Day podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Don't forget to leave us a nice review. Tune in next week for an exciting all-new episode.